This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome back Devorah Zach to the show. Devorah, you have been with me on the show before and you are such an awesome guest. I am thrilled to have you back. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And you're going to talk about your hilarious and profound new workplace guide that provides the rigorously rational and the supremely sympathetic how they can meet in the middle and merge their strengths. I'm really excited to dive into this juicy conversation. And I want to start with that rigorously rational and supremely sympathetic. So tell me more. How did this all get started? Well, this is actually based on the Carl Jung's personality theory. And the foundation of the cactus and snowflake is that cacti lead with their heads and snowflakes lead with their hearts. And there's kind of a big three distinctions and then lots that follow underneath those umbrellas. The first is that cacti value being logical and, and snowflakes value being sensitive. The second is that uh, cacti make decisions based on anal- analytics and reason, and snowflakes make decisions based on empathy and feelings. And the third is that cacti have, are very direct in their conversations, whereas snowflakes aim to be diplomatic. Got it. So this is the Myers-Briggs type indicator TF dichotomy, right? The thinkers and the feelers, if we're following the young theory. Correct. Okay, awesome. All right. But you've seen this play out in the world of work. So you're taking it a step farther and you're literally saying, okay, here's how you all get along and be productive. So what prompted you to write the book? I've been teaching about these different personality styles for about 25 years now. And this dimension that we focus on in this book really resonates with people. And I've been told over and over again, changes relationships and changes lives. And as you mentioned, we can apply it to work and we also can apply it to any interactions we have, um, even including interactions in our own heads. (laughs) We can learn in a very expansive way about how to be more effective in our lives. So let's dive a little deeper. Tell me more. You mentioned a bit about about the cacti and the snowflakes, but can you tell us a bit more? Peel back those layers, if you will. Well, the first thing to understand is that there's really not just two types in this dimension. Picture a continuum so that some of us are what I call off the charters, where we're almost pure snowflake or cactus. Um, However, most of us are somewhere in the middle. So we all have some attributes of each. That's important to to understand. And it also is important to understand that even though I I laid out some of these primary distinctions, there's a big difference between preference and behavior. So we have an innate preference for wherever we might be on the spectrum. That does not limit us in any way in terms of our behavior. We can do what I call flexing our style uh, to be effective, calibrating how we communicate with people from all different parts of this dimension. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned the continuum. Uh, I I like to think of it often as as someone who has been certified and used, for example, the Myers-Briggs type indicator for years, that it's it's like your dominant hand. Some of us are right-handed, some of us are left-handed, but as you said, it's a continuum and we can also adjust our behavior as needed uh, in a situation to, uh, to do whatever we need to, to be impactful and to honor someone else who may have a a differing uh, personality trait. 
That's correct. We can adapt to your point, our behavior, and also uh, adapt our language. I call it language dexterity to meet other people where they're at so that um, when we're working with someone, we want to motivate them or build rapport uh, to identify what I call personally relevant benefits, what matters to those people, and then speaking to them as opposed to what matters to us personally. So what about the folks that are saying, okay, this is foreign to me. I'm not familiar with Jung's theory. I'm not familiar with Myers-Briggs. You're breaking it down and you actually created, and I just chuckle because you're so funny. I just think you're witty. The CAC Flake self-assessment. So tell us more about that. Right. So I I love that the book features a self-assessment so that people can find out where they are on the continuum. And and it's called the CAC Flake Assessment because it measures both. And some of us are snow cacti and some are cactus flakes. And (laughs) there's a whole range of us in there. And it helps us understand whether we lead with our heads or lead with our hearts. And that's the first step is understanding who we are and then transforming what we may consider to be our liabilities into our greatest strengths because um, we can work with instead of fighting against our natural predispositions. That's the first step. And the next step is to work with other people, of course, and engage with other people in a way that is both authentic and also uh, meets them where they're at. What I've always loved about your writing, Devorah, is that it's entertaining, it's funny, but it's it's fact-based, it's research-based. But this book goes a step further and you're dispelling myths and you're squashing stereotypes and transforming what we may perceive as liabilities into strengths. So can you give us an example so the global audience can really say, ah, I get it. So if, if I'm a snowflake, I might say, well, I'm too sensitive. And so I'm not cut out to be a leader because I internalize things too much. And so I may frame that as a liability. But instead, if I see it as a strength that I'm very sensitive and tuned into emotions and let's say meetings, and I can uh, bring people together because I get the subtle differences or shifts in emotions, then I can I see that I'm who I'm supposed to be and I can leverage that. And then also this people that maybe in the past have gotten on my nerves because they're so different from me, I can accept and not just appreciate them, but be glad to be working with them because the things that I'm not so gifted at, they are. So we truly make a great team when we have uh, what I call personality diversity on our, on our side. Yeah. And you talk about flexing your style, right? Being accommodating and meeting people where you are. So here's something that I I really, really find interesting. Um, You say we've got three areas that we can control. So I'm going to leave a dot, dot, dot there and let you finish that. Right. So it's very popular in in our culture today to say, oh, you can control anything and do do, impact anything you want. And the reality is, the fact is, is that we only have direct control over three things in the world. And that those three things are our thoughts, our words and our actions. So what we think, what we say and what we do and focusing our attention on honing our own skills at being efficient and effective in our engagements by recognizing that that's where we need to focus our energy. And I sort of tongue in cheek say we should mind our own business, that a lot of times we're living in other people's business and thinking, oh, you sh- if only you were different or if only you were more or less sensitive, everything would be great. So I reframe that and say, what if we just believe everyone is exactly the way they're supposed to be? And it's up to me to figure out what matters to them and to 
meet them where they're at as opposed to expecting other people to change. I love that. You know, and as a career coach, I often find that people in distress are mind reading things that just aren't there. You know, they're, they're um, perceiving things and, and I get it. Per- perception is, is real. But as you said, when we meet people where we are and accommodate, the likelihood of people getting along is far greater. That's correct. I couldn't agree with you more. And so, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I was just going to say that a lot of times I advocate people do a little turnaround uh, just to leverage off what you were talking about, that we have feelings or thoughts about where someone else is at and it's just really in our head. So you can kind of check out if something is as true or truer as of your original thought by, for example, if I think she doesn't like me, is it possible instead that I don't like her or that I don't like me or that she does like me. So turning it around or that she's not even thinking about me. So often we think people are, have all these thoughts about who we are and what we're doing in reality. We're not, they're not focusing on us in that way. And we create our own altered version of reality. So it's, it's good just to remind ourselves that thoughts aren't facts and feelings aren't facts. Beautifully said. So you include some great real life scenarios that are so relatable. Uh, was it tough to gather those or did it come pretty easily? It came really easily. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really tend to uh, pick up on these little cues about where people are on this continuum and, and readers can too. Once you get used to understanding the distinctions of different personalities, it's kind of fun to notice how it comes up in all different ways people speak and, and how they engage with others. And I, I think it's, it's, it's great to gather them together and to share them with other people. Deborah, I have to tell you, it's such a fun read, but it's incredibly informative. But Hold right there. We'll be right back after a quick break and we'll continue the conversation. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So the book, as I mentioned, is this wonderful um, dichotomy of incredible research, but really fun stories that are incredibly relatable and provide teachable moments. In your research, have you found a correlation between gender and the archetypes. You know, I'm, I'm curious because um, women are starting finally to take more leadership roles uh, and there are still male dominated industries. And often there's a rub between men and women leaders. That's correct. And there is a connection of gender to preference of along this continuum. Um, however, it's not a hundred percent. So some people get confused and think, oh, well, snowflakes must be women and cacti must be men. And that's not true. Um, However, about 62% of women type out primarily as snowflakes somewhere on that side of the continuum. And then about 38% type out primarily as cacti. So a a good percentage of women um, fall into both categories. And we want to be careful about when we're talking about stereotyping that to not expect all women to be one or the other or to have judgment around women that might be more 
in the cacti dimension, whereas the expectation might be uh, that they would be snowflakes. Interesting to hear the statistic. You know, I'm curious. So why snowflake? Why cactus? I mean, I sort of get the cacti prickly possibility. uh, But what about snowflake? Tell me more about what you were thinking when you coined that phrase. Well, we actually, we really spent a lot of time and my, my publisher, my editors t- t- picking out what we thought would be really great, visceral, memorable examples that, uh, for snowflakes and cacti. And we selected both of these metaphors because they both have really great positive attributes and they both have challenges. And so the snowflake, you, you were asking why a snowflake, it, they're very unique and sensitive and tuned in to, uh, like the the beauty of the snowflake, but also there's a lot of mathematics behind the fractals of the snowflakes and the cacti have their benefits also. They, they might be prickly, but that also helps them sustain themselves in, in difficult climates. So I actually, in the appendix, I have some f- fun facts about real life snowflakes and cacti and how that ties in with uh, the metaphors that we use to in the book. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Lovely to hear how it was so incredibly well thought out. So you absolutely dismissed the idea of the golden rule. So first of all, tell us what that is and and describe why you prefer the platinum rule. So correct. Um, This very popular across the world golden rule to paraphrase is treat others how you want to be treated. And that backfires about half the time. If I'm a snowflake and I'm treating people how I want to be treated, all the cacti out there um, I'm not building the rapport with them and I'm I'm not resonating with them. So I replace it with, as you said, the platinum rule, which is treat others how they want to be treated. And it's a lot more work up front because you have to sort of assess how different personality styles um, play out in different people around you. Uh, however, it pays off because when you treat others how they want to be treated, you're much more effective. And by way of example, uh, we tend to say in organizations, why don't people respect each other? Or all we need to do is respect each other. And it's a big value people have. However, respect is completely relative. So let's say, for example, a colleague of mine has been away on personal leave for three months and we're not really close, but we, we know each other through work. And if I'm a snowflake and my colleague returns to work suddenly, I might say, oh, we missed you so much. I hope everything's okay. You know, if you want to talk about anything, uh, what, what, what's wrong? Like, wh- where'd you go? That which sh- to a snowflake might show that I care about them and I'm interested in their life. To a cactus, uh, it's totally disrespectful. It backfires. It's, it's, it feels intrusive. So if I were to use the platinum rule and treat the other person how I believe they want to be treated, if they're a strong cactus and I'm a snowflake, then when they suddenly return from personal leave, I might just say, hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for that example. I, I love the simplicity of it. And I also appreciate you helping this audience understand, yeah, it, it is more work in the beginning However, it's an investment in relationships. And and eventually, I believe that it becomes part of our practice and it becomes easier, right? As we we take the time to take that pulse and think about how we can respond to someone, as you said, with the platinum rule and not how we would want to be responded to. Did you agree that that it gets easier over time? It does. It does. And a question I get asked a lot when we're talking about this type of thing is, how do you know? And the answer is you don't know. Uh, The longer you know someone, uh, the more chances you'll get it right. But I introduced in this book something I call the big two to help you assess 
what other people's propensities are. The big two it starts with one to observe, just observe the language they use, observe behaviors. And with language, a simple one just to start with is that uh, cacti tend to use the word think more often and snowflakes tend to use the word feel more often. And uh, th those can be interchanged the more self-aware someone is or the more or closer to the middle they are on the spectrum. So that's one example of observing as well as observing nonverbal communication. And the second is surprisingly simple and often overlooked, which is to ask, to ask someone, how do you like to receive feedback? Um, what, what, what do you, how do you prefer to, in, to, in your work relationships? So just to ask them what their preferences are. And I, I think that you would agree with me that this also works in our personal lives, right? Certainly it is, um, has great implications, positive implications at work, but people are people. So it works at home. Absolutely. There's a chapter in the book about applying this to home life. And a lot of people really love that section because it makes it, and again, you said, mentioned about the humor. It's good to have a sense of humor about all of it as well. But uh, I, I talk about in this book also something I refer to as the non-event. And it is when one person has a reaction to something that occurred in their mind or even in their reality, and the other person, nothing happened. It was a non-event. So one example in the home section is uh, if you're sitting on the couch in your living room and your family member walks through the room and doesn't acknowledge you, to you, if, especially if you're a snowflake, might think, wow, they were ignoring me they were, or maybe they're mad at me and why are they like doing this to me? And uh, this whole thought process gets started in a downward spiral. And whereas the other person, if you say what happened, they would say, what? Nothing. <laughs> like I just was walking from the kitchen to the bedroom. <laughs> I love it. And think about how many disputes could just be completely eliminated if we acknowledge the non-event. Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty huge concept. <laughs> So, Devorah, do you uh, relate to the snowflake or the cacti more? I relate more to the snowflake. However, I do flex my style a lot when, as, as a coach or uh, in other situations where to the untrained eye, I may seem like a cactus, but it's really um, the way you ultimately discern whether someone's a snowflake or a cactus is uh, the, the reasons behind behavior. So you could see a behavior that seems to be one or the other, but by figuring out or learning why someone has that behavior is going to help us determine whether they're more a snowflake or a cactus. Did you unearth any research about whether snow, snowflakes gravitate toward fellow snowflakes or is that a non-issue? Well, I think it is an issue. I, I haven't seen specific research, but uh, what I've learned from all my interactions with people is that initially someone might want to be around others who are like them. And there's some benefit to that, but ultimately it's really but also incredibly beneficial to be around people different from you. It's just a different type of relationship. I mean, it, when you, if, if, you're, if you're a snowflake and you're spending time, let's just use the work environment here for, with a cactus, then the very things that you might not excel at, if you're not so analytical, it's terrific to have someone around that loves being analytical. Yeah, absolutely. Devorah, my last question for you as we wrap, I, I know there are a lot of folks listening who are in leadership roles, and I'm sure they're thinking in those thought bubbles uh, across the world, do the leadership styles of snowflakes and cacti differ? And is there a better way to approach how we handle people? 
They do differ. Um, and I'm glad that you asked the question that way, because some people make the assumption, of course, you would not make this assumption because you're so aware of how the way of the world that uh, it's for some reason, one side of the spectrum or another is more effective as a leader. They're both equally effective. However, how they manifest is di very different. So a leader who's a primarily a cactus will focus on being consistent and cares about accuracy and rationale, whereas one that is predisposed to snowflakery, um, that person might be more aware of giving positive reinforcement, showing appreciation for people, being involved, uh, creating harmony, uh, and they each have their own struggles as well. So the cactus might struggle with giving positive reinforcement or praise and may not be tuned into emotions, just may have, have a, a lack of awareness of people's emotions. Whereas the snowflake uh, gives a lot of praise, sometimes almost too much praise, and then people don't take it as seriously. And they can struggle with giving feedback, making over, over softening the blow, and also caring deeply about everyone being heard. And sometimes that can make it more difficult to wrap things up. So they each have challenges. However, they each also have great, great benefits. Okay, so you got me at snowflakery. What's the cacti version of that? Cactus flake. I don't know. <laughs> I use so many different uh, <laughs> versions of the words in the book. <laughs> you can make one up yourself. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, listen, in the spirit of new words, I love your book. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I always learn so much from you, Deborah, and I just love your, your mix of, of hardcore facts and data with absolute hilarity. So I thank you. But let me tell this global audience about your book. Uh, of course, you are Deborah Zach, Deborah Zach, the author, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, How the Logical and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side. And of course, the book is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Deborah, I wish you continued success and do come back. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because that helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dow Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>